Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to Sunday Take for November 5th, 2023. I am your host, Blois Olson, and it was an eventful week. And the week ahead is equally as eventful as has become the trend again in Minnesota politics and issues. You look at the week behind us, we had a presidential visit from Joe Biden focused on rural issues in Northfield, Minnesota. And it's part of a national effort from the Biden campaign to claw back some rural voters. Obviously, rural areas are a place where the margins for Republicans grew over the last several years, and Biden decided to take to Northfield. An interesting location, considering that uh, Minnesota is not high on the likely swing states for next year, but combined with this trip was also a visit and a fundraiser for donors, which ironically, just next door in Wisconsin, he could have done both. But sources tell me that fundraising may have been more of a challenge. And of course, Dean Phillips little engine that might make it to double-digit polling, hit 6% after only a week in the race uh, in one Quinnipiac poll. Uh, And at home, Democrats just keep getting more and more annoyed with Phillips. Another big issue to watch in the legislature, uh, and as we pivot, is uh, the new Paid Family Medical Leave Act came in a 20% higher cost than expected. And meanwhile, the budget surplus continues to grow. So we're going to span the issues and the state this week on Sunday Take. My first guest is Representative Angie Craig. She was unable to join President Biden, but she's taking a different angle on issues like the border than the rest of the Democratic Party. We'll ask her about that and more when we return on Sunday Take. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. My first guest this Sunday is Representative Angie Craig. She joins me, uh, and it's been a busy, crazy, I'll call it, you know, Slightly entertaining and concerning few weeks in the U.S. House of Representatives. Angie Craig, how are you holding up? <laughs> well, I'm I'm doing just fine uh, on a personal level. Um, it has been frustrating uh, to see uh, the iteration of uh, speaker designees that we had over the past several weeks. And, you know, I, I, if it uh, weren't so sad, it would be funny that um, apparently – Washington thinks Tom Emmer uh, is too moderate, so uh, I, I think it's 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 uh, it's a sad day, and it shows you where the Republican Party's gone. Uh, we all know Tom is a conservative back home. You know, uh, I can only imagine in your delegation humor that that will uh, appear a, a few times uh, in gentle barbs over the next few months. So, uh, watching it here from Minnesota, I would just say has been. Um, has been a roller coaster as well. Uh, earlier this week, President Biden was in Minnesota. He was in Northfield. He talked about issues that you uh, think about a lot, rural issues, broadband. Uh, what do you think about where the president's at right now and kind of the dynamics as you look ahead to 2024? Well, I was very glad to see the president focused on rural communities uh, in Minnesota and throughout uh, the country. Forty uh, percent of my district is covered in corn and soybeans every single summer. So uh, I think it was the right focus area. We had, of course, appropriations votes here in Washington. So I wasn't able uh, to attend the president's visit. But look, I think the president needs to focus uh, on the policies that uh, we were a part of helping to get across the finish line. The $35 cap on insulin, working to cap the cost of uh, seniors drugs, uh, making sure that the bipartisan infrastructure bill gets implemented a- appropriately. And of course, uh, broadband, uh, Lesur County. Uh, I'm going to put a pitch in here today to the state of Minnesota and uh, federal money as it gets doled out. Lesur County still needs uh, connectivity when it comes to broadband. So supporting these programs are a major part of uh, my focus as a member of Congress. And I think the president should continue to focus on those things. One of the issues you've uh, pushed leadership in the House and uh, Congress on, but it also is this kind of triangulated issue of the border. What's your sense of where Minnesotans are on the border? What needs to be done and how could it get done sooner? 
Well, I've been really open, Blois, that I think there is a crisis at the border. Um, we have got to ensure a humanitarian border system. But right now, what's happening is it's taken, you know, six, seven months to even get uh, a, a method of adjudication if you're trying to get uh, claim asylum across the border. And so people are coming across illegally, which we cannot have uh, people uh, coming across who have not been vetted by our country. So uh, I'm a strong supporter of additional border security. And yes, at times and in places, that is going to mean a barrier or a wall shifting people somewhere else. I'm a strong supporter of investment in technology like sonar and radar and drones. And especially, this has been a special focus area of mine. I went down to the border with 27 Republicans and three Democrats earlier this year. And we have got to do everything in our power to stop the flow of illicit fentanyl coming across our border. And that means investing in new uh, additional border patrol agents uh, and technology at our ports of entry. All of these things are real. Um, and we can't ignore them. Uh, and that's the message that I've been giving to the administration. As I've watched the border um, develop as an issue, it just seems as though, you know, over the last six to eight years, um, obviously, President Trump had the wall and things like that. But the urgency or even the address, the acknowledgement by the administration just seems to be lacking. Is that frustrating? Well, I'm not going to stop speaking out. In fact, um, you know, in particular on uh, cracking down on uh, Mexico, cracking down on uh, both human and human smugglers and drug traffickers. Um, I, I don't think we've done enough as a country. Um, and, you know, whatever administration uh, is in the White House, uh, I'm going to speak out when I don't think enough is being done. And right now, I think that... Um, you know, this is something that we need to focus on. I've also encouraged the administration in its dealings with China, because uh, this is where a lot of the uh, illicit uh, ingredients for fentanyl is coming from. So, look, this is a multi-pronged approach. I think, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, border issues have been used as political wedge issues over the years. And uh, the truth is that we just need to stop the nonsense and uh, conclude that uh, we need to do more, more at the border. And, you know, would I love to see a 2013 immigration reform uh, like immigration reform bill that passed the Senate with 68 votes, comprehensive immigration reform? You bet I would. Um, but I don't think we can ignore uh, the issues and ensuring that uh, America stays safe is my number one priority. I'm, my guest is Representative Angie Craig. Uh, it's been a busy and crazy few weeks in Congress. Uh, she's been busy, I can tell you by my inbox, kind of pushing some of these issues. Let's talk about the Postal Service. It's it's another one of these issues that, um, these are my words, not trying to kind of characterize your view, but when things aren't working right for a long period of time, I think Americans just kind of start to get more and more discouraged as why doesn't this work? Why isn't there urgency on the border? Why can't my mail come? Is is this, you know, is this fixable? Is the Postal Service fixable? Well, I do think that uh, Postal Service uh, can be improved, but I think it's going to take some strategic policy changes uh, on the part of U.S. Postmaster Louis DeJoy. I'm incredibly frustrated with USPS. Um, you know, we've received over 5,000 
comments uh, over the course of this year alone on um, postal delivery. Much of that's coming from uh, my district. Some of it's coming from across Minnesota. And, you know, is it fixable? I I think the USPS has moved to a quote unquote business model where the objective that the Postmaster General has is profitability. Well, the way to get that, according to his current strategy, is uh, you deliver packages, that last mile, the retail um, deliveries. And, you know, uh, postal workers and letter carriers, they're stopping what they're doing on a daily basis, not finishing their routes to deliver our mail because they got to get the packages out. They're more profitable. So I think it's really important that we understand that there's some strategic things happening within USPS that are just, um, you know, business decisions, not acceptable. And I've asked the post, um, you know, uh, local postmasters, should we still expect delivery of our letters, of our mail every single day? The answer continues to be yes. So as long as the answer is yes, I'm going to hold folks accountable for that yes. And that's why I just introduced a bill that would require USPS to notify people if their route uh, is uh, partially finished or wasn't even attempted that day, because that's happening all over the second district of Minnesota. And then boys, I'll just add, you know, the the nonsense we're getting from USPS officials on a bunch of uh, areas uh, has, you know, just turned into, um, you know, satire. Uh, We're proposing, and we being uh, the mayor of Farmington and the mayor of Lakeville are proposing a joint post office, you know, efficiency, cost savings, give those fast-growing cities in the second district an opportunity for more space. And, um, you know, it's the fastest-growing city in Minnesota, and USPS won't even consider it. You know, I always appreciate your frankness. You and I have had plenty of frank conversations on the air and off. Um, When you you have these frank conversations, as a former executive, as somebody who I think likes to see things get done, how frustrating is it on – all levels of just the way in which the culture of politics in Washington has become on these issues? Well, the truth is that patience uh, is not my strongest virtue. And it's incredibly frustrating uh, as a member of Congress, as someone who uh, has been elected to represent my constituents when, you know, an administration or an agency of the United States is not doing what I believe uh, that my constituents believe is in their best interest. So, you know, it's frustrating, but, um, you know, I've made a conscious decision that I'm going to call it out. You know, I I did the same thing with the Trump administration when, you know, they did something that was uh, positive for the second district or for uh, my constituents. I, I said so. Uh, And then, you know, when uh, there were policies I disagreed with, I did that as well. And I continue to do that with the Biden administration, too. I know they're frustrated from time to time that uh, I'm not going to get lockstep behind them, but uh, that's what they got here in the second. One of your colleagues is certainly not lockstep right now. Any thoughts on Dean Phillips' presidential run? Well, Dean is going to do Dean. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a, 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 I consider Dean a friend, uh, a good colleague. Um, and I shared his sentiment a year ago that I'd like to see the next generation of leadership step forward in the Democratic Party. But I said, if our president decided to run for reelection, I would support him. And that's what I'm doing. Got it. Representative Angie Craig, thanks for catching up on Sunday Take. Great to be with you, boys.
When we come back, what to watch for in Tuesday's local elections from Duluth and across the state. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We're back after that discussion with Representative Angie Craig on Sunday Take here on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm going to use this segment rather than have another guest to look ahead at the week that is coming. And Tuesday is Election Day across Minnesota. Many local elections from our two big cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis, that have city council races to referendums and school board races and maybe some early signs across the state about the mood of Minnesota. You know, just this past week, I had to start planning my deck and presentation for what Minnesota will look like in 2024. And I couldn't help but think that a lot of that has to do with what happens on Tuesday night. So here's a little scorecard for you. We'll have it again in Monday's morning take which you can subscribe to at fluence-newsletters.com. Again, fluence, F-L-U-E-N-C-E-newsletters.com. That is there, uh, and we'll have it in tomorrow's newsletter. But grab a notebook, grab a piece of paper, and just walk through what I'm watching on Tuesday as signs of how Minnesotans are thinking, what they're concerned about. And I give this to you as the backdrop and the precursor of 2024, which in Minnesota should be boring and less volatile than previous years. But as we've learned in the last couple of weeks, there will be some volatility. So let's just start with the Duluth mayor's race. Question is, will Mayor Emily Larson be ousted by challenger Roger Reiner? This is a tough race to read because it's all about the vibe in Duluth. Larson has been hugely popular and is kind of a rising star within the DFL. She's been rumored to be a lieutenant governor's candidate. She's been rumored to be a challenger against Pete Stauber. And Reinhardt, a former state legislator, offers this kind of insider alternative who knows Duluth, is known in Duluth. And it's really a very Minnesota campaign. Now, of course, there are attack mail pieces and things like that, but Reiner just keeps saying, like, people want more. They want their streets plowed and they want some basic services. And why haven't we gotten more done? And why hasn't the population of Duluth grown? And it's kind of the power of the rhetorical question. So that's probably the biggest mayor's race that we'll be watching on Tuesday and to see how it plays out. Because if Emily Larson loses and Roger Reinhart wins, it could be a message that maybe Duluth hasn't gotten as liberal as people think it is. Maybe economic development and some more moderate issues are 
of the mindset of Duluthians this year. Then we have to turn to our two biggest cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis. The city councils in both those races are up, and yet the mayor's office is not. So in both cities, we're watching to see if there's a shift and how far left it is. I don't think there's a doubt that there's going to be a left-leaning shift in St. Paul. And we're going to have a majority new council in St. Paul. And so you could have a situation where the majority of the new members are more progressive than the incumbents. And the relationship with Mayor Melvin Carter may get trickier because in St. Paul, with a strong mayor system and a history of that, the mayor has really driven the agenda. And if the council has a lot of energy and ambition, and maybe they are more aligned with the DSA than the DFL, it could shift further left. And lastly, we could have an all-female council in St. Paul, but we will probably undoubtedly have a majority female council in St. Paul again. And that brings a different energy. It just does. In Minneapolis, all 13 council seats are on the ballot. There's been a very kind of behind-the-scenes mail and digital campaign between a group called all of Minneapolis and most of Minneapolis. Most of Minneapolis is more aligned with progressives, the Democratic Socialists, all the activist group that are seemingly anti-Jacob Fry. All of Minneapolis is a Fry outlet, pro-Fry, and a pro-Fry council. With 13 members on the ballot, or 13 seats on the ballot, you know, there's probably three or four that are really a toss-up right now. And if those shift and go towards a more liberal member and a DSA-affiliated member, there's a very good chance that Mayor Jacob Fry could lose his veto-proof majority on the council. And the issues there are rent control, funding the police, uh, and just the general priorities of the system, of the city. Consider that it took them months to decide on a third precinct location based on politics in Minneapolis. If you have a divided mayor and a divided council, it is going to be hard to see how anything gets done in that city anytime soon. One highlight is Minnetonka is considering rele- revoking and repealing Ranked choice voting, so we'll watch that referendum. Bloomington has a referendum about sports facilities for an extra sales tax. St. Paul also has a sales tax referendum for infrastructure. So watch those. In light of the surplus at the state, higher taxes, inflation, what's the economic mood of Minnesota? And I think one of the biggest things that's going to show us that is the school referendums. There are 44 referendums in Minnesota on Tuesday night. And collectively for the year, we've had the highest number of bond referendums. Now, transpose this against the legislature having an $18 billion surplus, sending more money to schools. Is there a mood of, wait, more money again? I thought the legislature took care of this. The difference is referendums can be for technology, for buildings, for other infrastructure. But do voters differentiate? That's what we'll decide. Osseo, Stillwater, South Washington, Rochester, Lakeville, St. Anthony are some of the referendums we're watching very closely. 
school board races across the state are something we also are going to watch. There is more meaningful opposition. We covered it a few weeks ago here on Sunday Take. The Minnesota Parents Alliance, Education Minnesota have all kind of jumped in. But the spending this year is higher than normal. So, for instance, in Anoka Hennepin, uh, the last spending on school board races was just under 40000 This year, it's over, it's nearly 140000 In Moundsview Public Schools, of which I'm a proud product of, they've spent nearly $80,000 in school board races compared to less than $20,000 the pre- two, two previous cycles. In South Washington County, spending is about $50,000 when previous it too was under 20. Same with Rosemount that's gone over 60,000 and Wyzetta has lower spending this time and they had this dynamic last time. But the other piece there is that there are more alternative candidates seemingly from a more conservative agenda, the Minnesota Parents Alliance, and they're talking about issues of in our schools that are apparently more focused on test scores and uh, the basics of education. Meanwhile, Education Minnesota is funding their own effort. They are usually the choosers of school board candidates, and uh, and it doesn't mean they necessarily stick with candidates. I know many districts where Education Minnesota had supported or local members had supported members before, school board people before, but now this year they're supporting somebody else. In all of these cases, turnout is going to be a major issue. Who turns out determines who wins. And traditionally, more progressive members are more organized. But you see in certain wards and places in the city where turnout is very low, the lowest ever. And that could be a sign that nobody's quite sure that there's actually an election this coming Tuesday. I'll be voting in my local election and watching results. But that's your scorecard. Watch it. See if bond referendums in school districts get voted down in wealthier districts. See if more progressive members of the city council make it through. See what Minnetonka voters think of getting rid of ranked choice voting. There'll be plenty of content Monday through Thursday in morning take and at 620 with Vanita. And again, we'll lay out this cheat sheet for you on things to watch on election night in Monday's morning take, which you can get by signing up at fluence-newsletters.com. When we come back, the take. It's a big week. Where is Minnesota's mindset? I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. This week's take is next, but first, a message from Minnesota Corn Growers. It's getting chilly, and we had that snow this week. Most of the crops are out, and depending on what part of the state you're in, it was a great year, a good year, or only a fair year. The drought is still in parts of the state, which means spring will require more snow more snow melt and forecasts say that it's going to be a mild winter. Again, Minnesota farmers, they just take it as it comes. Minnesota corn farmers, they think about what's here now and what's available for the future. 
That's because instead of corn farmers are focused on sustainability. They care about the environment. They are making sure that our water is clean and our air is cleaner. 2023 has been a year where the intersection or the awareness about agriculture in our world has become more and more prevalent. Whether it was the fires from Canada and what it meant, whether it was the lack of rain. Minnesota corn farmers were there planting, harvesting, making sure that we're investing in the future of a sustainable agricultural state. President Joe Biden visited a farm this week and on Friday, so did Governor Walls. I think we all can agree that even though there's issues that divide us, making sure that we have sustainable food systems, food sources, cleaner air, and cleaner water, that it's a good thing. I am here to tell you that Minnesota corn farmers lead the way in that. And I'm proud that they sponsor the Sunday Take. That's your Sustainability Minute for this week. To learn more, go to mncorn.org. You know, coming up with a take every week is, well, it's hard to be different every week. That's because I don't think that I change. The news may change. The world may change. The attitudes may change. The weather may change. But my general views and outlook on things are that overall, there's places where our leaders are doing well and there's places where we expect more. Representative Angie Craig this week calling out the border, saying that she went there with her Republican colleagues and that she wanted the president and the House to do more is at least a step towards back to where we were, where people were willing to criticize their own party. And so I have nothing more to say this week than it was 25 years ago this week that Jesse Ventura was elected governor. It was my first big election night on WCCO. And 25 years later, here I am. I've seen a lot. We've seen a lot as a state. We've endured a lot. We've had volatile, volatile political times. We've had one-party dominance. But what we always have is this idea that when you vote, you get a voice. And I think reflecting back on Jesse's election was the number of people who finally felt like their voice was heard. You know, I'm fortunate, and maybe some of you think it's unfortunate that you have to hear my voice, that my voice is heard. Now, you can always turn the station. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think that as we look ahead to 2024, the idea that we won't have an inspiring, exciting, energetic presidential campaign that the majority of Americans and Minnesotans are excited about 
means that maybe voter turnout will be down. Unless, in fact, we're going to pivot and say that voting against somebody is more motivating than voting for somebody. I think turnout this week is going to be low in our city elections, in our school board elections. And I think it'll depend on where you are and how much money was spent and how engaging campaigns are. But overall, Minnesota voter turnout is likely to be lower. And lower in some of the biggest races. Those for Minneapolis and St. Paul City Council. Those that impact not just those people who live in the state, but those cities that all of us visit annually. So this week's take is vote. It has to feel like it's one of the last sacred parts of this process that only you can control, that only your emotions can control. It's not about cable news. It's not about social media. It's about you and your values and who you think should get elected. That's what's important. That's the Sunday Take for this week. Follow along every day, Monday through Thursday at 620 with Vanita. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you'd like to. So search Blois Olson. I'm in all of those channels. And until next time, sign up for our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. I'm Blois Olson. Have a good Sunday. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.